0: If I uh, haven't been able to meet you, i uh, grateful that you're here this morning with us. Uh, I serve as the pastor of community and youth, alongside John and Sarah, and i uh, grateful to be with you here, being able to open God's Word together. We are on a, in a series, going through the book of Acts, talking about the local church, talking about the gathered group of followers of Jesus and saying I mean, what is the church? Why are we here? And what does it look like for us to live as followers of Jesus? Um, Really practically, uh, yesterday in this space, as John already talked about, if you would have been here between 9 and probably about 5 o'clock, this building was filled with people rearranging the kitchen, uh, decluttering the attic, uh, a place where hopefully none of you will ever go, uh, but it looks a lot nicer. Uh, people were weeding the gardens outside. Um, Moses was walking down dozens of flights of stairs yesterday with Reality Church memorabilia from about 15 years ago. Uh, and so I ask an obvious question of why. Why do we do this? Not a trick question. I think it's actually rather simple. We, we gathered to do a spring cleaning um, to organize a space for our community to gather. We organized the space We decluttered this space so we, as a church community, can gather here to worship. Not just us. There's other churches, other people that use this space, and we want them to be able to come and and use this for their communal gatherings. To not sit on broken chairs. Uh, To actually have the printing room organized so that when the worship leader comes, they can print paper, proper sized, um, for the music team. We want a space downstairs where all the coffee things are in one area so that we can have coffee prepared uh, before the service or that the communion bread can be broken, the wine and juice poured. We're here because we want to organize a space for our community to worship. That's why we gathered yesterday. So we've created a space to gather and my question today is, as we gather, how can we create a space for resonance on a Sunday morning? Now that we have decluttered the space for worship, how now can we gather as followers of Jesus in this space for resonance? A resonance is a term that John started to unpack last week to us. Resonance is a moment that we cannot help but acknowledge that God is here, that God has arrived, and that we have noticed that He is here. That is resonance. A moment that we cannot help but acknowledge that God is here and that our natural response is to offer ourselves to Him to participate. Resonance could be likened to that moment when the snow falls for the first time and people are outside and things are just different. That type of a feeling that gathers people together. And yet here we believe that all these moments are actually initiated by divine presence by the Holy Spirit amongst us. Resonance has a lot to do with our eyes being able to see rightly and our bodies responding to what we have seen. Resonance is a mode of God and His people relating to one another. And we see this in Scripture. Although the word resonance is not used in Scripture, again, it's a word that we're using to try to describe these moments when God and His people are interacting, responding one to another. And last week, John talked about the story of Pentecost. Now, if if that word doesn't make any sense to you, it's this moment after Jesus had resurrected and He was with His friends. He told them, He said, I want you to wait here because you're going to be clothed with power from on high. You're going to go out and you are going to be my living, my moving, my breathing witnesses. Not just to this place, but to the next town. And to the next town. All the way to the ends of the earth. So here we are in Vancouver, looking back, the ends of the earth, to those who have witnessed to the presence of Jesus. And what Pentecost looked like after Jesus, he ascends to heaven and he says, wait. And God's people gather. You know, they gather more than once. I think we just think, you know, what, all right, Jesus left 15 minutes. Maybe that's how long, maybe 30. It took for them to assemble, go into a room and wait. But they met together. They said, what else should we do? We're waiting. We're going to just meet together. We're going to pray. We're going to sing. And one of those times, one of those times, the Holy Spirit, the presence of God that is unseen, rests like flames of fire upon the disciples in the room. It's as if God's vision for all the nations to know Him just snapped into being because people started speaking in other languages. Languages of people from all over the world. God in that moment rested upon them and reminded that they were meant to go as witnesses. And yet, in this moment, after the Spirit comes down, people are just speaking in the language, native tongues of people all around. All of a sudden, crowds are like, what is going on? I hear these Jewish people speaking my language. And they're drawn in. They're brought in to the presence of Peter and the disciples. And Peter shares the good news that Jesus is enthroned. And so we come to our story in Acts 2. Acts 2, verse 36. Peter tells the crowd that Jesus is Lord and Messiah. And this is what we read. If you have your Bibles, I encourage you, you can turn there. Acts chapter 2. Starting in verse 36. After all this had happened, the people who weren't in the room, but who were watching, the crowds that gathered. It says this, when they heard this, they were cut to the heart. And they said to Peter, they said to the other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? Then we go down to verse 42. In response, they, the crowds, those cut to the heart, devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together. They had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone as they had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes. They ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. If we tried to put a word to this moment, the moment of the Spirit coming down, the moment of where the crowds looked and said, What is going on here? but were cut to the heart, this moment could be described as resonance that God has arrived, that people noticed, and people actually responded. The same people gathered in the same place just as they did times before doing the same things and yet this time God arrived in a way that was different. They responded. They were changed. And the church, the fellowship, the gathered people of God was birthed. And so now that the chapel is mostly clean of clutter, we have to ask this question. How can our Sunday morning gatherings be a space where we expect God to arrive and where we're willing to respond? On a Sunday morning, we're just trying to be really practical. When we gather here on Sunday mornings, how can we create a space for resonance? There's two things I want to talk about. First, I want to talk about an internal uh, posture, the posture of the heart. And then second, I'm going to talk about some really practical external postures that we can have as followers of Jesus when we come here on a Sunday morning. But the first posture is internal. It's the posture of the heart. Can I just say Jesus longs, from what we read, Jesus longs for our hearts to be transformed. You're like, thanks for letting me know, Mitch. I'm like, yes, but this is basic. To the core of our being, Jesus is in the business for our hearts to be transformed. Not simply our feelings. Not simply our emotions. Dallas Willard calls the heart the executive center of our beings. He says, this is the executive center of our being. The human heart. It controls all of our initiatives. It controls how we move our physical bodies. It is our central station for knowing that we are spiritual beings. Citizens destined for another home. From the heart, the choices of the whole person are made. Jesus is in the business of transforming hearts. Because if our individual hearts are not tuned in, we're prone to miss God's invitation. I just think if our hearts are not ready to see, we might be prone to miss God's invitation. And Jesus says this to a lot of the religious leaders in the New Testament. This is common language. Jesus is saying, you're just like whitewashed tombs. The bowl is Mr. Clean Worthy on the outside. On the inside, it's stained like turmeric. When God arrives to the disciples at Pentecost, when they are clothed with power, the response of the crowds is first the response of the heart. Read with me. Acts 2, 37. Peter says, Jesus is Lord and Messiah. And verse 37 says this, When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart. God arrives and the calloused heart of the bystanders go through a grueling surgery. This word is a word for piercing. It is a word that actually points to emotional distress. They are like, what do we do? Our hearts have been worked on by God because God is obsessed with our hearts fighting for the core of your being the core of your being that he actually put in place and he said man I want this to be correct I want this central executive center to be focused on me and so the holy spirit descends and the first response is people are cut to the heart but this language of a calloused heart is not new to scripture It's what the prophet Ezekiel sees as the heart of stone that needs to be replaced with the heart of flesh. The prophet Hosea, he likens the heart to dry and cracked ground that needs to be plowed by the unfailing love of God so that rain can just be watered upon it. That it can be fit for planting. That our hearts would no longer be dry and cracked ground, but rather ground where plants could flourish and grow. For the people of God, these heart calluses are formed when we think that God's benefits will keep coming to us if we just keep doing the same old stuff. We start wanting His benefits, not His presence anymore. And we think if we just keep doing the same things, singing songs, having a prayer time, going to kids' church, being generous with our finances, that our hearts are near to God. But Isaiah, another Old Testament prophet, He calls this a long time ago and he says this. This is God speaking to Isaiah and he says, These people, my people, Israel, not foreigners, people following me, these people come near to me with their mouth. They honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far. Could you imagine if someone close to you said that? Hey, when we hang out, you're actually not present here, you're talking as if you care but your heart was left at home. Could you imagine hearing that from a friend? God says, they come here, they worship me with their mouth, but their hearts have been left at home. Their hearts have been left at work. Their hearts have been left with these other group of people. All they do is they come and worship the way that other people taught them to. And they just keep doing it over and over again. And as I was reading this, I, I just was reminded, worship is why we are here, is it not? Not? Like, that's why we actually cleaned yesterday, so that we could gather, that we could worship, that we as followers of Jesus could come and have a space where we open our hearts together and sing praises to the one that actually brings us life. Is that not why we are here? That's maybe actually how it started for you, a place of worship. Just encourage you to think back. Maybe it was a time of singing when you were younger and a teen, where you felt like you just were free. You didn't care what people thought of you anymore. Maybe it was a moment of prayer with someone in your home when they said, hey, could I actually petition on your behalf to the Almighty? Maybe that was a space of worship that you just allowed your heart to be open. Think of that time that drew you into worship of God and you had a taste of God's goodness and freedom. And I'm here to say that's why we try to gather, is to make spaces for that. And I take pause because calluses, as some of you know, they come over time. They come through repetition. And often they're actually helpful. They're protective for our skin. But for some of us, the calluses of repetition is coming late on a Sunday morning. Expecting the two songs that are going to be first we will probably be here for the second. There's going to be a brief prayer, announcements, and I'm going to tune out. Past the piece, I hate it because I don't want to talk to people. But the kids will go downstairs and that's fine. I'm going to go grab coffee instead. (laughs) The sermon might be mediocre. There might be a gospel storyteller, which might be be a little bit longer on that Sunday. And then we're going to have a time of prayer, which I probably won't go to. Communion, which I will, but the lineup might be too long. Then there's going to be three songs that I'm supposed to respond to in some way. And then we get to go for lunch. These are the reps of calluses that actually can work in us as we show up on a Sunday morning. And yet, the beauty is that God still arrives in those same things. My question for you is but is your heart actually present here for God to be noticed when He arrives? Because I'm more convinced than ever that God yearns for His people to gather and see what He sees. To see what God sees. So much of resonance, this language, is a posture of our hearts being able to see where God is at work and asking how might we respond. Because this is why God gives us a heart of flesh, a soft heart, not a hard heart. This is why He says it's like soft ground to plant. Because with soft hearts, we're able to see God and His creation with clarity and worship with fullness. And as I was writing this this week, a line, a verse, a promise of Jesus came up. And this promise of Jesus is, I would say in my reading of the the church mothers and fathers, is maybe the verse that they highlight the most. And it's this, a promise from Jesus. He said, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the pure in heart. Decluttered hearts. Undistracted hearts. Because they actually will be able to see the presence of God and respond. This is what we want this morning—the blessing of seeing God together. But we notice in Acts, in this, if you know the story, when the Holy Spirit descends, not everyone actually saw the Spirit's arrival as a moment of resonance. Some people, when the Spirit came down, they heard people speaking in other languages. They said, "Man, these people are drunk idiots, staggering about. They have no idea what's going on. They're whack. They're crazy." They've missed it. And man, I was challenged. That's sometimes me. And I think sometimes that's people who say that we're followers of Jesus, that we can miss it. I think it can come sometimes on Sunday mornings when we see other people raising their hands. Drunkards. It's kind of crazy, kind of weird. We might see it when someone's actually singing loud as if they believe the words that they're singing. We said, man, these people don't know it. These people don't know how to be a Vancouver Christian, where you've got to be cool. You actually don't want people to think that you're that much different, but that you're nice. Okay. But we see people raising their hands. We might even see someone, dare I say, get on their knees in a posture of worship before the King of Kings, and say, you are worthy of my entire body to be presented to you. And we say, you know what, that's actually kind of strange. I'm uncomfortable now. I'm reminded in Acts, the people that witnessed God and said, man, drunkards, look at them, staggering about. This is not a work of God. This is a work of man. And you know what? Sometimes it is. But I'm challenged by this. Because I think by my own self, when I see someone walking up for prayer, sometimes I can be like, man, I wonder what's going on. Because I don't need prayer. And how wrong am I in that moment? So this is just a heart check. Internal posture. Where have calluses grown on your heart regarding a Sunday morning service? Not a trick question. Just saying, what part of our service, maybe just put most bluntly, are you like, God wouldn't arrive there? What part of a Sunday morning gathering do you feel, because of repetitions, just a callus of saying, God couldn't pierce my heart in this space? It couldn't be through the singing. It couldn't be through past the peace. It couldn't be through prayer. Maybe it's through coffee. Beware the calluses of your heart regarding a Sunday morning. And maybe that actually started in a place of beauty that you really appreciated. But just after time, it's lost its taste and wonder. challenged when Jesus said, man, blessed are the children that come to me. There's something about them that points to the kingdom of heaven. But I'm challenged that others watching with open hearts are the ones who notice God at work and they want it in. That's a beautiful thing. It says again in verse 237, the people that just heard about it, they weren't even there. They said, man, what's going on? Peter said, Jesus is the Lord and the Messiah of all things. And it says they were cut to the heart. They were cut to the heart. Jesus is here to do a bigger thing than decluttering a spring cleaning or decluttering uh, this chapel, sorry, for spring cleaning. He's doing a bigger work than that. With the space in your heart cleared, Now you're able to see the living God and respond. Just as we cleared this space, not simply that we could just meet, we gathered here and cleaned this space so that we could worship. That our hearts might be pierced. Possibly even transformed. My question to you is what would it look like for you to worship God with an open heart? What would it look like for you on a Sunday morning Maybe this is a challenge. If no one else was here and we did the same thing, how would you respond? How, what would it look like for you to worship God with an open heart? You might not be there yet. But what could it be like to worship fully free, knowing that the unfailing love of Jesus invites you into something bigger than yourself? The promise of Jesus is that the pure in heart will see God. And can I just say pastorally, My vision, our vision for this time on a Sunday morning is exactly what you just dreamt of when you said this is what it would be like for me to worship with an open heart. That's what I yearn for in this space. That's why I'm actually working here. I yearn that we would have the expectation that our hearts would see God more clearly. And this is, again, pointing to this word of resonance and it's not a point of relevance that we just put up new TVs and now that's going to change something. Or that the worship set was really tight that day. They didn't mess up at all. And I was fully able to sing along. And that means it was a good Sunday morning. If we have a full Sunday gathering where nothing goes wrong with sound or slides, the Spirit has been upon us. This is the Word of the Lord. No, but actually, it's not about having the TVs or a tight worship set. It's not about us having the best coffee or the kids' presentation downstairs of being the most articulate form of the gospel, but rather that in the music, through being with toddlers, that over that cup of coffee, through the time of prayer, we would be more aware of how God has invited us to a moment that we can actually respond to individually and as a community. That's why we gather here. Maybe it's actually the moments that when we leave on Sunday mornings, we said, man, that conversation drew me closer closer to the person of Jesus. Might not have been the whole service. But that we leave Sunday mornings a little more transformed and wanting a little more taste of his love again, and that's why we arrive to worship in a posture of resonance. And so that's my first invitation. Just saying, if we don't have our hearts present here, this language of resonance just won't mean anything. This language of worship actually likely will just fall on fallow ground. But that's the first invitation. Are your hearts actually open for this place to be a place of worship? The second is that open hearts lead to unbridled devotion. This isn't just an internal head thinking uh, point. This is a hands grabbing the oars and we're actually rowing this boat together. It says this, that those who are watching the crowds, it says they were cut to the heart. And yet their tender hearts then said this, what shall we do? It says, their hearts were cut. Now what shall we do? We see the crowd in Acts 2 with open hearts transformed now into the church. We read in verses 42 and onward that they started to let God show up. To break through the calluses of their heart. And now they have new ways of devotion. New ways of gathering around God's word around prayer, around fellowship, around being generous one with another, about feasting with each other and fasting on the sake of others, and singing. We see in this story that it wasn't just simply a heart transformation. Devotion is what, what that flowed into. And so I have a, practical, a few practical invitations for us as a church community. Four things. Again, these are invitations. They're going to hit us differently. There's four things that I invite you into. The first is to show up. The second is to discern God's presence. The third is to submit to Christ's rule. And lastly is to serve one another in love. Those are four things. Practical things for a Sunday morning. And I'm just going to give a few examples as we close this time of each of these. The first... Is an invitation for us to show up. Can I actually just say this is a special time? What else, what other time a part of your week looks like this? Intergenerational people gathering, singing songs. <laughs> That's strange. And you don't have to pay for it. <laughs> this is a special time. A lot of you might feel the fatigues of the week because you feel like in the, the, Um, circles of your family and friends that you actually can't fully open your hearts because you're like, man, they're not ready for that. So all week sometimes, it feels like you're holding things in. This is a space where we actually are invited that we can just open ourselves up. This is a special time. This is a gift of a time. So two practical invitations is when you're here, be here. This might come as a challenge, but I'm going to call it out. Show up on time. Like... It's funny that we laugh, but, like, we say 10 o'clock, and then now we say on our website 10.05, and then we actually probably start at 10.10, and people probably don't come till 10.20. But, I'm again, just say, like, what else in your week is like this? Like, what else? Like, don't we actually want to, in our exhaustion, don't we want to spend time together in worship with open hearts, where we don't have to worry about other people looking at us, and just saying, man, these crazy drunkards, look at them. We get that at work, we get that in our families, we get that with our friends. So I just say, show up and be here. And I know things in life happen. We're not going to push you away if you come late. I'm just saying, but what if we actually showed up and got ten more minutes so we wouldn't have to feel rushed in our time of prayer and singing? So that's the first. Just to be here when you're here. The second is go analog. I just think our world's filled with lots of distractions. Really practically, I just say, like, what if we actually just brought our Bibles What if that was actually a testament to those who were growing up as kids that they actually saw adults that actually thought God's word was worth carrying around and opening, and then when the scripture was done, they didn't just immediately close it? What if you actually brought your notebooks and engaged? What if you just kind of went analog and simple just for an hour and a half? Could we do that? They did it for roughly 2,000 years pre-smartphones. We cleaned out uh, an overhead projector from the attic. That was about as analog as it used to be. So that's the first invitation, show up. The second invitation is that we're here to discern God's presence. When we're here, my invitation is that you'd be in a posture to receive from God and to respond. And that looks like a few things. The first I would just say is, during this time of opening God's word, would you lean in? Because if we don't know the story, how will we be able to tell what's happening and if we're a part of it? We must know the story of God to know how God is arriving. So just a practical invitation. As we discern God's presence, like the community hermeneutic, we're coming together, we're surrounding God's Word, we're saying, what's happening here? How does this land in the present time? So I invite you to lean in during the time of teaching around Scripture the second is to engage in discussion. That just because the sermon's done, what if, what if we actually just ask someone, hey, like, was there something from this service that you just felt like your heart was singing to today? Was there just one thing? What if we ask someone that? Because maybe it's not just for us. Maybe it's actually for them to be able to process. And it might be for us to hear. So we lean in to discern God's presence by actually talking about his presence with other people. Like, did you notice that? It's like, yeah. Man, that touched me too. I think God might have been here. He might have been present. What a gift. And the third is singing. Musical worship. I want to read this from Colossians. Colossians 3. It's a set of verses. And this is what we read. Colossians 3, starting in verse 15. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, through hymns and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus. What if that looked like our music time? We actually sang. We've been getting better. I've been encouraged. We can start actually hearing each other's voices. But this is really practical. Sing when you're here. We don't care if you sing on, key, or off. Open your body up to a posture of worship that might actually look like for you at times, in boldness, just to extend your hands. Not in the magic of that, but to say, God, I'm actually here and I want you to be present. But I encourage you to sing, to encourage one another with our bodies by singing loudly. So the first was the invitation to show up. The second is to discern God's presence. The third is to submit to Christ's rule. When we come, we're just reminded that our stories aren't the center. John's been talking about this. We've been talking about this. That our stories are not the center, but Jesus is the center. So a few really practical invitations. And this is something I think we can just grow in as a church when we make liturgy is just a point of confession. It's like, man, if we are not bringing ourselves to Jesus before we come to this space and saying, Lord, I am not God and I actually want to acknowledge that. Which means that this week there have been things that I have done that have not reflected you. But I just want to name that before I come in this space because I know that you will invite me with open arms. So what if before we come, even just practice, we're walking up the steps and just saying, Lord, I realize that I've not done all things that have pointed to your glory this week. Would you actually just Would you actually just forgive me in this moment for that? Peter's response to the crowd. First thing, they said, it says they're cut to the heart. They said, what then shall we do? Peter says, repent and be baptized. Two things. First is repent. Second, some of you, baptism might actually just be it. Maybe you haven't been baptized. But this marker that actually is a testament to our community that on a Sunday morning, someone has died and been raised with Jesus. Submitting to his rule as king and lord over all things. For some of you, it's actually just allowing yourselves to come to the communion table and to receive God's, God's body and blood given for you. For some of you, it's actually the challenge of the table that John's going to talk about in the weeks to come. Of Maybe you need to talk to someone else before you come to the table to make this a space where we are properly responding to God's presence. And the fourth is Prayer again, have this challenge. If we're not going up for prayer once a month month in this place, where are we going to and what are we holding on to? Just creating a posture of prayer. What if that was just natural for us to say, you know, nothing to do with what we talked about today. I just want to hear the voice of another person who follows Jesus speaking words of truth over me this week. So what if we actually went up for prayer and we aim to do it once, let's say once a quarter. If we all went up once a quarter, our prayer people would be full every single Sunday. All the time. A posture of prayer. Again, it pushes against the Vancouver dream that we have it all together, that we don't need help, that our hearts are fine. We all know that those are lies because we are feeling the stress and anxiety of everything that we're doing. And I think, possibly, the voice of another follower of Jesus pointing you towards the Lord's love might actually be an aid. So I invite you to prayer. The last point is serve. So show up. We discern God's presence. We submit to his rule, and lastly, we serve. And just simply what I want to say for us is, God is at work in every space of this building on a Sunday morning, not just the upstairs. For some of you, it just means that when we're actually caring for kids, maybe you're prepping the coffee, maybe you're ripping up um, the communion bread or pouring the wine into the chalices. Maybe you're, like Carson, helping with gospel storytellers today or the music team helping with singing that the Lord is present in every single one of those spaces and wanting to move, even if you miss the sermon. It might even be through past the peace. So in all the areas that we serve, God is communicating not just to us, but through us. And Jesus says, just as I've loved you, I want you to love one another because that's how other people will know that you're my follower. So my invitation is no matter what space we're in, that God actually can and will arrive, I believe, in those spaces with little ones, with adults, in greeting, in singing. And I just want to end with this. In Acts 2, it says this. They broke bread in their homes and they ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all people. That's a beautiful point of resonance that we actually yearn for, is that in this space with glad hearts, content hearts, sincere hearts. We would be praising God together. And also, with that, we get to enjoy the favor of everyone else who's here. And that's something different than the world extends to us. And as my spiritual director had said, and I've been challenged with, it might mean that we look a little weird. And I think we actually just need to get over that. That we just might look a little weird, We might feel a little uncomfortable. And yet Jesus promises that those with decluttered hearts, with pure hearts, will actually get to see him. And we get to see him together. And that's why, as a church, we're leaning in to this language of resonance as something that we want to create in this space. So let's pray together to close. Jesus, I want to thank you that you are here and that you are with us. I want to thank you for your love and your grace. I want to praise you that you invite us to come with open hearts. And I ask that you'd give us boldness and courage to allow ourselves to worship you in that fullness. And now would you also bless our time as we come to the table. Would you be glorified in all things, Jesus, in this community on Sunday mornings. In your beautiful name, amen.